The following is a production of Phoenix Media. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings of a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. When a tribe of savage Central American Indians attacked the rubber plantation where he was staying... Clark Kent, as Superman, successfully beat them off, only to discover that a poison dart had struck John Carter, the plantation manager. At the point of death, Carter gasped that the Indians were the only ones who had an antidote to the poison. Strangely enough, these same Indians, the Narwhans, also possessed the antidote to the brain-numbing potion that had been given the players on the Metropolis football team, the antidote for which Kent had come to the jungle. With Carter's life slowly ebbing away, Kent had to think fast. Before the battle with the savages had started, he had been forced to knock out a local white derelict known as Pango Pete and deposit him in the back of a truck. Pango Pete was known to be friendly with the Indians, and it was Kent's thought that in this emergency he might be of help. But when he reached the truck, Kent found it empty. He hurried to the derelict shack. Empty. Far off in the distance, echoing out of the dark, matted depths of the jungle, he could hear the beat of the Norwan tom-tom. The precious minutes were slipping away. Making use of Superman's amazing power of flight, he soared out over the jungle, his keen eyes piercing the darkness. That huge fire up ahead must mark their campsite. Yes, I can see them dancing around us. Only one thing to do. Drop right down into the middle of the fire. If that doesn't make them sit up and take notice, nothing will. I can hear them chanting and beating those tom-toms. Well, this little surprise from the heavens should stop them cold. Here goes. Down! Down! Frozen on that track. I think I'm a spirit. Let them think it. Now on! Give ear! Watch how I stop the fire with my cloak. Take me to your chief at once. To Chief Sanga. Hurry! Take me to your chief. I think they understand me. One of them stepping out of the circle. He's coming toward me. 
Fana, I hope that means what I think it does. Take a chance and nod my head. Yes. It's leading the way to a thatched hut. Looks like it's going to work. It is. There's the chief, propped up on animal skins. Pango Pete was right. He must be a hundred years old if he's a day. All shriveled up. I, uh, Pio, Amas Fanga. Warrior, say, you lift you fire? Yes, Sanga. I am Great Spirit. Great Spirit? Yes. Why you come to Sanga, Great Spirit? Because you are Great Chief. Sanga, Great Chief? It is good. Yes, but you are also old man. Your days are numbered. Yes. Yes, Sangha, very old. Great chief like Sangha must live with great spirits when his days are over. Yes, it will be good. But first, Sangha must make gifts to great spirits. Give name to gifts? Sangha, make them. To stop the poison of the great chief's darts. There is a medicine? Yes, Kala. This I would have, Sangha. No more? One thing more. A brown powder that is the medicine to stop the white powder that gives men sleep. Yes? What more? That is all, Sangha. But there is no time. There is plenty of time, you bully boy. Hango Pete. So you knows me, eh? And who might you be in your fancy dress? Get up. Stop. This great spirit. I see you've been listening to his blarney, Sangha. Come on, speak up, the bullet boy. Who is you? You heard what the great chief said? I heard him right enough. What do you take me for? Hey, great spirit. Now, look here, Sanger. I ain't never steered you wrong, have I? If he's a great spirit, I'm the king of England. How did you get here, and what do you want? That's none of your business. Sanger, there is no time. Where are the gifts? Yes, I uh... Hold on a minute. What's this about gifts? What's he taking from you, Sanga? I'd advise you to keep out of this. Oh, you would? And who's going to make me? I am, unless... Unless what? (laughs) Mind, I've got a spear in me hand. One move and I'll run you through. Go ahead. I'm warned. Don't take another step. All right, here it is. All you managed to do was bounce that spear off my chest. I don't believe it. It ain't possible. Great spirit, man of steel. We're seeing things, Sanger. That spear by right should have gone clean through him. It ain't human. Sanger, I've seen enough. Fire! Sanger! Father, Warrior will bring gifts, great spirit. What's your game, mister? What kind of tricks are you using? They're not tricks. Ye great spirit. On the level now, what you got up your sleeve? I don't know what you're talking about. Now, look here, you're after something. Well, so's Tango Pete, and he's in a fire way to get it. Take it from me. Ain't nothing fiddling, neither. Why, Arstana, warrior has gifted great spirit. What are you giving him, Sanga? What's in them pouches? Just a minute. Those belong to me. Thank you. What's in them? I don't think it concerns you. 
The great spirit accepts your gift, Zonga. You will have many more years of life. I'll... I'll... Let there be feast and ceremony! Finally, you got him extra fare, you have. I'm sorry I haven't time to discuss it with you. Perhaps we'll meet again. Farewell, great chief. Hold on a minute. I got a proposition to make to you. I'm not interested in your proposition. But you haven't even heard it. Hold on now. Up! Up! And away! Just a little bit more. Follow it. There we are. Oh, we'll be all right in a few minutes. Just rest easy. Kid. Yes, Mr. Carter. I'm a big kid. I can't move. That'll pass off. You just relax. Kid. What happened? You were struck with a poison dart. Oh. Easy now, easy. You're going to recover. I gave you an antidote for the poison. I got it from the chief of the Nawans a few minutes ago. It's almost Ken. How oh, and other savage Nawans would dare go into the jungle at night. I have a lot of courage. I owe my life that courage. It was the least I could do for you. You say you've got what you wanted. Brown crystals? Yes. I got them and I'll be leaving as soon as you're able to get around. Don't bother about me. My houseboy can carry on from here. You've done more than enough. I don't know how to thank you. Oh, forget it. Incidentally, I'm going to leave the pouch containing the poison antidote with you. It may come in handy someday. I'll also leave you some of the brown crystals. I have more than enough. Uh, here, this is the poison antidote. You better mark it when you get a chance. Now, if I can just find something to put these crystals yeah! in. What was that? No. I better go see. Here, I'll leave these pouches on the table. Be careful, kid. Don't worry. You'll find a rifle on the porch. Okay. Ooh. Who's there? That's the only me, Mr. Carter. Oh, Angle. Right, you are. A bit out of breath from running around to the back of letting loose that yowl, but otherwise in good shape. Oh, you were the one who screamed. What's the idea? I had to get him out of the cottage, didn't I? I'd advise you to get out yourself. I know all about you. Get out. Get off the plantation. Don't worry, Mr. Carter. I'll be toddling along soon. First, I gotta put over a little deal. And pouches sitting on the table. They belongs to me. Keep, keep your hands off. And those. don't excite yourself, Mr. Carter. Put You're those a sick man. Pouches down. Not in your life, I won't. They're going to pay me big dividends. They are. Kent. Kent. Keep your blooming mouth shut. Kent. All right, now, Kent, boy. Oh, I can tell your faces, Mr. Kent. If you want these pouches, you're going to pay for them in headaches. Toodle loo, Mr. Carter. Kent. Kent. Where are you? Coming. Kent. You're finding me outside. What's the matter? Kent. Your pouches. They're gone. Where are they? Mango Pete. What? He went out the back way. You may be able to catch him. Hurry. Hurry. 
Will Clark Kent be able to find Tango Pete and recover the precious leather pouch containing the brown crystals? In all the excitement, Kent has lost track of time. Even now, far up north, the referee's whistle is blowing for the start of the Metropolis Southwest football game. And 11 Metropolis men, drugged with a brain-numbing potion that may react at any moment, are trotting out on the field. Our story comes to a smashing climax in the next episode, so don't miss it. Listen in with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot. Fun surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Taking advantage of the superstitious nature of the savage Narwhan Indians, Clark Kent and his guise of Superman made a spectacular appearance before their chief and in the role of a great spirit requested as a gift some of the brown crystal antidote for which he had come to Central America. At the same time, he asked for and received some of the antidote to the poison used on the Narwhal blowgun dot. Back at the rubber plantation where John Carter's life was slowly ebbing away from a poison dart wound, Kent gave him the medicine in the nick of time. While they were talking after Carter's recovery, a cry sounded from outside. Kent went to investigate. As he left the cottage, Pango Pete, the white derelict who was in league with the Indians, slipped in through the back door and stole the leather pouches containing the precious antidotes. When Kent, in response to Carter's frenzied cries, returned, Pango Pete was gone. Meanwhile, 2,000 miles away in the Metropolis Stadium, the all-important football game between Metropolis and Southwest University has gone into the fourth quarter. In a booth high above the field, a sports announcer reports the progress of the game. Only seven minutes left to go in the last quarter. It looks bad for the highly doubted Metropolis team. 
Southwest ball on the Metropolis 15-yard line directly at midfield. Going to attempt a field goal with Southwest ace toe artist, Big Johnny McGuire, getting the assignment. Lining up now. Haggerty will receive at the ball. And the pass. The kick is good. Right over the cross bar for a clean cut field goal. And that makes the score Southwest 17, Metropolis 6, putting the ball game on ice for all practical purposes. Nothing seems to have happened to the Metropolis team. Score 6 to nothing in their favor at the beginning of the fourth quarter. This undefeated team played it for the Rose Bowl just went to beat. Bob Harris, captain of All-American fullback, started the collapse by fumbling Southwest kickoff. In an effort to stand the tide, Coach Taylor has thrown every reserve on the sport into the team. But the next six and a half minutes will bring, if anybody's guess, but it's the trouble is most The mocking echoes of Southwest University's cheering penetrate to the basement dressing room of the Metropolis team, where Professor Nelson, dean of the medical school, and Spike Taylor, the coach, are closeted in the latter's office. Taylor, nervous and on edge, is pacing the floor. Hadn't you better go out on the bench, Mr. Taylor? Oh, what's the use? I can't do anything for them. Perhaps it might help their morale. Morale? This has nothing to do with morale, Professor. Those boys are sick. They, they've been doped. I can't stand sitting out there and watching them go through the motions without knowing what they're doing. Isn't there anything you can do? Oh, why is medical science so helpless? We can only cure Mr. Taylor when we know the cause of the ailment. The substance contained in the potion Dr. Stone administered to the team defied analysis. Every possible effort has been made. The drug is, as we are aware, the concoction of a tribe of Central American Indians. Probably derived from some native root to bury. The laboratory has given it all the possible tests to determine its contents to no avail. But there is an antidote. Stone mentioned it in his diary, and his sister told us there were brown crystals that killed the effect of the potion immediately. Yes, I know. But the antidote is in Central America, 2,000 miles away. It would take months to get if it could be gotten at all. You no, know, Professor, I, I can't understand what happened to Clark Kent. His office hasn't heard from him in three days. It's strange, because he seemed so interested. Oh, a man just doesn't vanish into thin air. He'll probably turn up. Kent is not our problem. What is our problem? It's trying to solve the mystery of that Indian drug. But I'm afraid we failed. I suppose there's nothing we can do except stand by and watch the slaughter. I don't care for myself particularly. Although you can bet your bottom dollar those sports writers will take me apart piece by piece in tomorrow's papers. It's the boys on the team there. They're the greatest sufferers. If you mean physically, I I wouldn't worry too much. Recovery from the effects of this mysterious potion seems rapid and complete. All it does is create a temporary dizziness. No, no, I I don't mean physically. I told them it was up to the team to raise enough money to meet the terms of the Richards' will so that the medical laboratory could get that $3 million legacy. I know it won't be earned unless we're invited to play at the Rose Bowl. What can they be thinking of out on the field now, fumbling, running around in circles... Tackling like cream puffs. Suppose we both go out to the bench, Mr. Taylor. Possibly there's been a change. The potion may have worn off. Come, shall we? All right. Mm, probably another touchdown. And that makes it 23 to 6 with Southwest on the long end of the score. On a 30-yard pass, Gordon McRae, the Southwest quarterback, raised 47 yards to a touchdown without having a hand laid on it. 
game for which the stakes are three million dollars, a million a minute. All hope seems lost, and yet, unknown to any of the thousands of people crowded into the Metropolis Stadium, the darkness of a Central American jungle is the scene of a dramatic chase that may well determine the outcome of the game. There, Clark Kent, having thrown aside his reporter's disguise, is trailing Pango Pete, the white derelict, as Superman. The jungle is alive with the blood-curdling cries of wild beasts that roar defiance as Superman plows his way through the matted, twisted undergrowth. The only way he could have come. The only semblance of a path. He didn't have much of a lead, so I should be closing in on him soon. Stuff is certainly thick. Twisted vines and heavy brush. No wonder those Indians camp here. It's like going through barbed wire. What? That didn't sound like an animal. It isn't. It's a human voice screaming for help. What could it be, Pango Pete? What? Great Scott, it is Pango Pete. Caught by a giant boa constrictor. Oh, he's crushing him in his coils. I never tackled a 50-foot snake before, but there's nothing like trying. Here goes. There we are. Oh, you don't like being interfered with, huh? Open those coils. Come on, open them. That's it. Now, I'll just tie you into a knot that you'll never squirm out of. There we are. Now to see what happened to Pango Pete. Now he's done for. Got to him too late. Well, I can't say the world has suffered any great loss. Now, where are those leather pouches? Let's see. Ah, here in the shirt. Both of them. There isn't time to stop back at the plantation. I've got to get to Metropolis immediately. Even now, it may be too late. Up! Up! And away! Red cloak streaming in the wind, Superman speeds north, carrying the precious antidote to the mysterious drug affecting the players on the Metropolis football team. Meanwhile, in the stadium, the referee's whistle sounds for the resumption of play. On the Metropolis bench, Coach Taylor and Professor Nelson watch the teams line up. And you see why I didn't want to sit out here, Professor Nelson? Look at those boys. They're all groggy. They, they can't stand up on their feet. This game can't be over too soon for me. Well, there's the kickoff. Look at that. Harris never punted less than 50 yards in his life. That kick went 20. It was a lot. And on our 32-yard line at the kickoff. The score on this play, you just wait Taylor, and see. Taylor, call time. Hurry. Kent, where did you call come? Call time. Don't ask questions. The bottle is time. Now get the teams out of the dressing room. What of heaven, Kent. I've got the antidote. Hurry. You only have three minutes. I can't take the team off the field. It's against the rules. Well, then get the balance of the squad into the dressing room. Professor Nelson and I will take care of them. When we send them back, make substitutions as fast as you can. Don't waste a second. Come on, Professor. This is our only chance. Metropolis reserve best defense for the festival. And down there, a miracle happened. 
these same men who just a minute before were tired and beaten came out like raging tigers. In three likely plays, Metropolis scored to make the tally 23 to 13. And then, kicking from the 49-yard line, Captain Bob Harris planted a stunning field goal between the upright and the score was 23-16. And that ball you heard a moment ago marked the second Metropolis touchdown, the result of a forward pass into the southwest end zone. And so, as we go into the last 20 seconds of play, the score is tied at 23-23 with the ball of the possession of Metropolis on the southwest 44-yard line. Anything can happen now. Anything. There's the window. Teams are lining up. The green two one back here from Metropolis. Harris again on the receiving end. Ball comes back. Harris makes the pass. No, he can't pass. The southwest line is broken through. He's trapped. He's going to carry the ball, and there he goes. And so another adventure of Superman ends in a blaze of glory. But there are new thrills in store for us beginning with the very next episode. Thrills and adventure that only the Man of Steel can provide. So don't fail to be with us when we begin our new story. Thrills galore, so tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. It begins today in the office of Perry White, managing editor of the Daily Planet. With America arming for defense, the role of the great daily newspaper has become an important one. Hour after hour, day in and day out, by phone, radio, and teletype, an endless stream of vital information reaches the editorial desks, there to be turned into news. The busy offices of the Daily Planet are no exception. As we join Perry White, we find him issuing instructions to three of his key men. Listen. Robert. I want you to cover coal mining. Get me all the facts, production figures, tonnage, everything connected with the part coal is playing in national defense. Okay, Chief. Jackson, you're to report on steel production. Right. Buckley, you take water power. Yes, sir. Now, I want you men to get going immediately. We're holding page one of the second section open for your byline stories. But understand one thing. I don't want any warmed-over stuff. Dig way down deep. We want to tell our readers exactly what American men and women are doing to protect democracy. Okay. Go back to your desk now. You're on your own. Thank you. Thank you. Miss Barnes, send Clark Kendon immediately. And check Adams on those plane production figures. Should have had them two hours ago. 
I don't care what the reason is. We're running a daily newspaper, not a monthly magazine. Get those figures. Always handy with excuses. Busy with this, busy with that. Maybe if they wasted less time thinking up excuses, they'd have yeah, some you must sense. must have money in the bank, Mr. White. Uh, what? Huh? What? Oh, 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 it's you, Ken. You're talking to yourself. That's supposed to mean money in the bank. No, no, I'm just going crazy, that's all. I'll be cutting out paper dolls soon. Now, what's up? All right now, my blood pressure. I asked for American plane production figures two days ago and haven't got them yet. Uh, what's the use? Sit down, Ken. Okay. Ken? This newspaper has been falling down on the job. Oh, circulation dropping? No, no, of course not. I mean, we're falling down on our coverage of defense news. A newspaper owes an obligation to the public. An obligation to keep every reader in touch with what's going on. Well, we run stories on armaments, planes, battleships. Yeah, and that's not enough. There's more to it than the actual manufacture of implements of war. There's a bigger, more interesting story. The story of America's national and natural resources. The story of where national defense starts. In the coal mines, in the steel foundries, on the oil fields. Sounds like a great idea, Chief. No, what I want you to do is this. Ken, he's a special delivery letter from... Why, you insolent little brat, didn't I tell you last week never to come tearing into my office like a tornado? You're fired. But the letter, it's from Tumbleweed Johnson. I don't care if it's from Santa Claus, you're fired. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Mr. White. I'll close the door. Nobody's talking me out of it this time. He's fired, do you understand, Kent? He's fired. I don't think you're being quite fair, Mr. White, after all. After all, I'm running this newspaper. Or am I? Why, of course you are. What I was going to say was that I can understand Jimmy's enthusiasm. You remember Tumbleweed Jones, don't you? No, and what if I did? Well, Tumbleweed was that cowboy we met out west, Jimmy and I. Matter of fact, Tumbleweed Jones saved Jimmy's life. Is it any wonder he forgot himself when he saw a letter from him? Oh, all right, then. He's not fired, but get him out of here. Well, aren't you going to read the letter, Mr. Kent? It's special delivery. Maybe it's important. Oh, I'm sure it's important. So important that we ought to stop all work immediately. Declare a holiday. Run up the flags. Hire a brass band. <laughs> Mr. White is being funny to me. Yes, funny as a crutch. Oh, go ahead, read the letter and get it over with. I can wait. I just work here. There's no hurry, Mr. White. Uh, I'll read it before that kid has a nervous collapse. Oh, Jimmy? Okay. Oh, well, what's it say, Mr. Kent? Just a second. Let's see now. Dear partner. Oh, gosh, that sounds just like Tumbleweed. We can dispense with the side remarks. I'm sorry. Dear partner, first off, I got to tell you, I'm one ornery cayuse for not having written sooner, but writing don't come easy. And since I've been a pretty busy hombre drilling oil... Did you say drilling oil? Yes, that's what he writes. Since I've been a pretty busy hombre drilling oil, there ain't been a whole lot of time. You see, Comanche Joe up and give me a parcel of land to raise beef on, and what do you know but I struck oil. Yes, sir, not only me, but everybody in these parts has struck it, and it just ain't ranch country no more. <laughs> That's a wonderful break for Tumbleweed, isn't it? Oh, it's well. Go on, go on. Finish the letter. Oh, let's see, where was I? Um, oh, yes. And ain't, uh, just ain't ranch country no more, of course. Striking it rich like I done ain't all funny. They say oil is good to smooth things over, kind of, but this oil of mine has got me into a little trouble. That's why I'm writing it, partner, figuring maybe you could get some of them smart city lawyers to kind of unlimber this trouble for me. Of course, I'll put the bills on top of being much obliged to you. If I'm asking too much, just you hog-tie me and there'll be no hard feelings. If you can help me out, just write me a letter telling me so and I'll send you all the information pronto. In the meantime, say hello for me to Jimmy and tell him if he ever gets out this way again, I got the best dang pinto pony for him he ever set eyes on. Oh, golly. <laughs> Your friend, Tumbleweed Jones. P.S. I still make the best dirt fudge in the world. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I'll leave it at Tumbleweed to get in a plug for his fudge, huh? Gosh, I, I wonder what sort of trouble he's in, Mr. Kent. Yeah, whatever it is, Jimmy, you can bet we'll move heaven and earth to help. I'll send him a wire. Uh, how would you like to go out there, Kent? Do you mean that, Mr. White? Is your name Kent? No, sir. Then keep quiet. Are you serious, Mr. White? You don't think I'm talking to keep myself amused, do you? Of course I'm serious. You see, before this this excuse for a copyboy barged in here, I was about to tell you I'd picked you to write the story on the oil industry and its part in national defense. I don't know any better place to start than an oil field. Oh, sounds wonderful, Mr. White. I can kill two birds with one stone. Uh, what about Jimmy? Well, what about him? Well, I thought perhaps he could... Oh, uh, I knew it. I knew oh, it. Oh, don't worry about me, Mr. Ken. I'd like to go, You but... see, Mr. White, Tumbleweed and Jimmy were very close friends. In fact... I'm we're... a jellyfish. Nothing but a jellyfish. You mean I can go? Yes, yes. Oh, Now, Ken, don't forget you're going out there to write oil stories, not to play around. Well, you can count on me, Chief. All right, come on, Jim. We've got tickets to get. Close the pack. Oh, gosh, thanks a million, Mr. White. Will you two lunatics get out of here before I go back? Announcing the departure of flight number seven for Denver, Chicago, and New York. Now loading at gate number three, announcing the departure of flight number seven for Excuse Denver, me, Chicago, but, and uh, New York. Could you tell me when that Metropolis plane gets in? I got a telegram here that says she's due at 420. Is that right? That's right. Be in any minute now. Much blood. Right. Expecting someone tumbleweed? Huh? Oh, well, I didn't see him, Mr. Larson. I spotted you waiting at the gate. Expecting someone? Yep. You didn't order yourself a wife from one of those big city matrimonial bureaus, did you? <laughs> Yes, no, nothing like that. I got some friends coming in from Metropolis. Huh? A reporter fellow named Clark Kent and his little partner, Jimmy Olsen. News reporter, huh? Yep. Darn good one, too. He's smarter than a whip. Uh, have some fudge, Mr. Larson? <laughs> no, thank you. You haven't changed your mind about joining the Oil Association, have you, Tumbleweed? No, not so you'd notice it. I ain't taking orders from no crooked coyote, even if he is president in the bank. No, sir. I'd sooner eat crow. No, I don't think you're being fair to Mr. Cheney, Tumbleweed. It just happens that he owns the only pipeline and railroad spur that can transport oil from this section of the Bear River refinery. He organized the association to protect all you boys from outside interference. That's his story, and it don't make good telling. Now, look, Tumbleweed. I've been your oil broker ever since your first well came through. But I can't sell your oil unless it gets to the refinery. It'll get there. How? It ain't no secret now, because... Them trucks are sitting by my number one well, filling up right this very minute. Trucks? Yep. Three big oil trucks, Mr. Larson. They hold 2,000 gallons apiece. I'll be delivering oil to the refinery tonight. You mean you bought oil trucks of your own? Nothing else but. Well, Tumbleweed, all I've got to say is I think Attention, you made a big... please. Hold announcing on. the arrival of Flight 9 from Metropolis at Gate 6. Announcing the arrival of Flight I'm 9. I'm sorry, Mr. Larson, Trump. but that's the plane I've been waiting for. I'll be seeing you shortly. Gosh, old Hemlock sure is good to see you again, Mr. Kidd. <laughs> and you too, Jimmy. <laughs> Don't it, ain't You didn't finish telling us about the Oil Association, Tumbleweed. Oh, ain't nothing more to tell. 
Cheney owns the pipeline and the railroad spur, and he just cooked up this association, figuring he'd get the boys all in and then charge them sky-high prices to transport their oil. Uh-huh. And that's what he's doing. I won't have no part of them polecat tricks. How many oil men have joined the association? All but me and Leif McCall. And Cheney says he's going to run us out of business. Uh-huh. That's why I figured I'd better write and ask you what kind of legal grounds I was standing on. I got a head like a pungin, you know. Well, it seems to me you can sell your oil as you please and transport it as you please. That's what I figured. So I got me three big trucks. Now let them try and stop me. I'll run Cheney so full of arrows, he'll look like a turkey. Huh, Jimmy? Uh, you bet, Tumbleweed, and I'll help you. I knew you would. Well, there now, you see up ahead, you see them derricks? Yeah. They're old tumbleweeds, and they're spouting oil 24 hours a day. Why? And that's the ranch house behind them. Ain't so bad for a dumb mouth of a cow hand, eh? Not bad at all, Tumbleweed. Aren't those rifle shots? Nothing else but. Oh, damn it. Whoa, Jack. Listen. Those were shots, all right. Way up ahead of us. What can it be, Tumbleweed? Yes, what I've been expecting, Mr. King. Trouble. Hold on now. We're going to head right into it. Get up, Danny. Get up, Jack. Come on. Is Tumbleweed right? Do the rifle shots indicate trouble at his oil field? Clark Kent doesn't know it, but he and Jimmy, perched on the front seat of Tumbleweed's buckboard, are riding into more excitement than they've had in a long time. So ride with them for thrills and adventure. Tune in the next episode and listen with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. When Clark Kent and young Jimmy Olsen flew west, they were met at the Lost Valley Airport by their old friend Tumbleweed Jones. Tumbleweed, together with most of the ranchers in the locality, had struck oil on a small parcel of grazing range given him by Comanche Joe. But he had also run into trouble. Abner Cheney, president of the local bank, owned the only pipeline and railroad spur capable of carrying crude oil to the refinery. In order to get high prices for transportation, he had organized an association, threatening anyone who refused to join up. But Tumbleweed Jones would have none of the association and bought three of his own tank trucks. All this Kent and Jimmy learned as they drove the Tumbleweed's oil field on a buckboard. As they approached it, shots rang out. Tumbleweed sent the horses into a mad gallop, and the buckboard swayed perilously as it raced over the dirt road. Listen. I can see a tank. 
folks from here tumbleweed. Park near that big shed. They're red, aren't they? Yep, that's them. But what are all the hands crowding around him for? What was that shooting? Well, maybe they're just welcoming us in typical Western fashion. No, I didn't let on to nobody you was coming. Something went wrong with them trucks. Get up, Danny. Get up, John. Come on. What could possibly have happened to the trucks, Tumbleweed? I don't know, but we'll find out soon enough. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Great, Scott, look. Someone shot bullet holes in the sides of the trucks. They're spouting oil. It's all over the ground. Consign it, some ornery Cayuse is going to pay for this. Come on, Mr. Kent. Okay, come on, Jimmy. Okay. He done it, Tumbleweed. He done it. Who shot them trucks up, Buck? We don't know. They was all loaded, waiting for you to give the order to start for the refinery when a bunch of hombres come racing by an automobile and gunned them with them five-shot high-powered rifles. Low down, sneaking weasels. Recognize any of them? Nary a one. They drove past them trucks like greased lightning and filled them full of bullet holes. Lucky nobody stopped late. Sure was flying. Come on, Mr. Kent. I reckon this needs some looking into. Hey, careful we step, Jimmy. There's oil all over the ground. I see it. Gosh, you're mighty. And tanks sure have got holes in them. One, two, three, four, five in this one. Six in that one. Only four in the one on the right tumbleweed. Well, that's enough. Now, what two-footed rattler could have been behind this business? Well, whoever it was, it was someone who knew these trucks were full of oil, ready to leave. I can't figure that out. I only told one fellow about it. Larson, my oil broker. And that was less than a half hour ago, back in town. What puzzles me is why did they take a chance on shooting them up in broad daylight? The trucks just got here this morning. Well, you're lucky it's only the trucks, Tumbleweed. They might have set fire to the whole field. Lucky, huh? Well, maybe. What are you going to do now, Tumbleweed? How are you going to deliver that oil like you promised? We'll figure it out somehow. Now, quiet, boys. Quiet over there. Pipe down. Boys, first off, I want you to meet some old friends of mine. This fellow here is Clark Kent. He's a reporter on a big newspaper back east. Hello, everybody. And this here lad is Jimmy Olsen. The Comanche tribe gave him an Indian name last time he was out here. They called him Laughing Squirrel. He works on Mr. Kent's paper. Now, Mr. Kent and Jimmy are both paying me a little visit. And I want all you hombres to understand they got the run of the place like they own it. You savvy? All right, boys. Now, listen. Buck here tells me that nobody's seen the Cayuses who shot up the tank cars. Now, that's too bad. Because if we knew who they was, we'd go get them and string them up front over. But we got to figure some way of fixing the trucks so we can deliver our oil boys. We just got it. Well, sure we got it, Tumbleweed, but how? How are we going to do it? Them trucks is all full of daylight. The only way you can make delivery is by using Cheney's pipeline. Well, nothing doing. I bought them trucks so I wouldn't have to use that crook's pipeline. And you know how I raised the money? Well, I borrowed it from Cheney's bank. Now, now, don't get no ideas that Abner Cheney just up and give me the money. No, sir. He lent it to me. And this land we're standing on right here, and all the oil under it, that gets to belong to Cheney Lock, Stock, and Barrel if I can't pay him back. And I can't pay him back if we don't move this oil to the refinery and sell it. Savvy? Yeah. Well, boys, now you see how it is. Well, we're all with you, Tumbleweed, but how are we going to fix them tanks? Hey, I've got an idea, Tumbleweed. Let's patch them. Patch them, Mr. Sure. Kent? Well, there ain't time to weld them holes if that's what you're thinking. No, no, no. I, I wasn't thinking of welding. I know something much simpler. Well, let's hear about it. Well, there's a large hatch on the top of each of those tanks, big enough for a man to climb into. Just hammer some wooden pegs through from the inside of the tank. That way they can't fall out. The pressure of the oil will keep them in. 
Hey, now that sounds like it's kind of might work. We'll try it anyhow. Hey, boys, now y'all heard what Mr. Kent said to do. Yeah. You all start doing it. Get some saplings down off the hill and whittle them down. It's just after three now. We'll want to leave about 7.30 tonight when the moon comes up. You think you can finish it up in time, do you? Okay. Limpy, Buck, and Frank, you go get the sapling. Lemon Smokey here can work on the inside of the tank. Let's go, fellas. Seven thirty on the nose, and we're all loaded up and ready to go. That sure was fast work, Tumbleweed. Yeah, the boys done a swell job fixing up the trucks the way you told them. I don't know what we'd have done, Mr. Kent, if you hadn't thought up that idea. The wooden pig. Oh, it's nothing new. I just happen to know about it. Come in mighty handy. Well, we got a full freight. Hey, where's Laughing Squirrel? Jimmy? Sent him to bed right after dinner. He had a long day for a youngster. Yep, I reckon he did. Hey, Tumbleweed. <laughs> in bed, did you say? Now, what's the idea, Jimmy? I thought I told you to turn in. Oh, gosh, Mr. Kent, I had to say goodbye to Tumbleweed. And I had to say goodnight to my pony, too. The one Tumbleweed gave me. You mean you've been clear over to the corral? Sure. All right, now, young man, you just turn yourself around and trot right on back to the bunkhouse. I want you in bed asleep by the time I get there, understand? Oh, gee, Mr. Kent, don't get mad. I, I just wanted to say goodnight and say tumbleweed. How about making me some fudge tomorrow? Now, Jimmy, that's a right smart idea. We'll have us a fudge party, ten pounds of it. And not only that, I'm going to take you up to see Balancing Rock. Balancing Rock? Well, what's that, tumbleweed? Why, it's a tremendous rock, shaped just like an egg that stands on its point. Just wait till you see it. Oh, you must be kidding me. No, honest, I ain't, Jimmy. I got no time to tell you any more now. We got to get rolling. Y'all set, boys? Now, we're taking the Mesquite Canyon Road, boys. That's round by Balancing Rock. And there's a couple of pretty steep graves. So run about 30 feet behind the truck in front in case we got to stop short. And keep a sharp lookout. That's all. So long. Tumbleweed's just the nicest cowboy in the whole way. Yeah, you're right, Jimmy. Well, come on, now you've got to get to bed. Mm, I'm not at all sleepy. You'll get sleepy soon enough. Come on. Say, Mr. Kent, huh? what do you suppose Balancing Rock is, anyway? Well, the sound of the name, I'd say, is a geological formation. An enormous stone that looks like it's balancing on one end. There are a lot of freaks of nature like that in the West, Jimmy. Mm, but a balancing rock. How'd it get in just the right position so it doesn't topple over? Well... The Indians used to say that a race of giants lived out in this part of the country, and they set the rocks in strange positions to mark their trails. Actually, most strange rock formations are caused by water eating away the stone into a strange shape. Hey, wait a minute, Mr. Kent. How can a soft thing like water eat away a rock? Well, now, did you ever take a belly flop when you dove into a swimming pool? Sure. Water felt pretty hard, didn't it? Well, sure, but... Well, you put a rock into a stream and let water wash over it and around it for millions of years, and that rock will wear down. The water will rub it away entirely. Oh, but Balancing Rock isn't at the bottom of a river, is it? Oh, not now, Jimmy, but once was, probably. The stream cut its way around Balancing Rock, and as it sliced deeper and deeper into the earth, Balancing Rock was left high and dry, just as if it had been set down there by some giant hand. Oh, gosh, I never would have figured that out. Well, maybe not, but it's simple once it's explained, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the house. Wait a minute while I switch on the light. There we are. Yeah. Now, get into your pajamas, young man. Then let's see how quickly you can get into that bunk. Say, Mr. Kent. Hmm? What is it? How long do you suppose it's going to take Tumbleweed to get to the refinery and back? Well, it's not far. I think he figured about four hours, Jimmy. Why? Uh, I wonder if I'll be awake when he gets back. Awake? 
Not if I can help it, young man. I sure would like to hear all about that trip. What if something happens? Suppose the same men who shot up the trucks today no, were... Now, now, just you relax, Jimmy. Nothing's going to happen. We'll have plenty of time to hear all about it in the morning. All right. Climb in, young man. That's it. Keep the covers on you. Yeah. It gets pretty cold before morning. Say, Mr. Ken, I'm hungry. Hungry? After that huge dinner you put away? Why, you can't be. Well, honest, I am. Couldn't I get something to eat? A sandwich, maybe? Oh. All right, Jimmy. I'll, I'll try and get you something from the cookhouse, but frankly, I don't know where you're going to put it. Why don't you get out of bed? Okay. I'll be right back. As Clark Kent starts across the yard, Buck Connors, Tumbleweed's foreman, slips into the cookhouse, gropes along the wall in the darkness until his outstretched hands touch the ancient party line telephone. Quickly, he rings it, two shorts and a long. A moment's pause, then a voice at the other end of the wire. Hello? Lacey? No. Buck Connors. Three trucks just started for Bear River. How come? We put 20 bullets in them. Ain't got time to explain. Now listen. We're taking the Mesquite Canyon Road past Balance and Rock. Get hold the boys pronto and fix it so them trucks don't get through. Savvy? Got it straight. Mesquite Canyon Road past Balance and Rock. So Buck Connors is in on the attempt to keep Tumbleweed from transporting his oil to the refinery. How does he plan to stop the tank trucks from reaching Bear River? Will Clark Kent, approaching the cookhouse, hear enough of the conversation to arouse his suspicions? Something exciting is bound to happen, so don't fail to hear the next episode. Tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman!
Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights the never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Somewhere on lonely, moonlit Mesquite Canyon Road, a motorcade of three tank trucks loaded with oil from the wells of Tumbleweed Jones moves slowly in the direction of the Bear River Refinery. In the lead truck, Tumbleweed is at the wheel, confident that all is well since, with Clark Kent's help, the bullet holes shot into the tanks were repaired. Now, 6,000 gallons of crude oil will reach the refinery despite the unscrupulous efforts of Abner Cheney, head of the local bank, to force Tumbleweed to use his pipeline. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Clark Kent is on his way to the cookhouse to get a sandwich for Jimmy when... But wait. Listen. Uh, Let's see. The cookhouse should be over here to the right. Yes, that must be it. I hope Cookie doesn't mind my foraging in his icebox. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder where Jimmy puts all the food he eats. Backed away a mighty solid dinner tonight. Well, all growing boys are like that, I guess. Here we are. Hope the door's open. Wait. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Voice inside. Did you speak to it? Sounds like someone's using yeah. the phone. Why isn't the light on? He got no time to play every lady. Them trucks will be passing balancing rock in five minutes. Better get moved. This makes certain it looks like an accident. What's that? That's Chuck Connors, Tumbleweed's foreman. What's he talking about? You're right. And trucks will be flattering a mess of flatheads. He's out. Still on. <clears throat> Who's here? Don't move, I got you covered. Put up your gun, Chuck. It's me, Clark Kent. Here, I'll switch on the light. Oh, thought you and the boy had turned in. What's your game, Chuck? I don't know what you're talking about. Don't stall if you know what's good for you. I heard you tell somebody something's going to happen to Tumbleweed's trucks in five minutes. Your ears is too big for your health, mister. We'll discuss that later. Now, are you going to tell me what's going to happen to those trucks and where, or must I drag it out of you? You talk mighty big for a tenderfoot. Reckon I gotta take care of you. Hoist up your hand. Not on your light. You're you're tearing it off. Drop your gun or you'll never use this arm again. Drop it and start talking. Better? Hey, Talk. You can't do nothing about it anyhow. Tumbleweed's trucks will be a heap of junk in five minutes. Quit stalling. Balance and rock. Yes? It's set to fall on the trucks with a dynamite charge you touched off. What? What? I can't do Yeah, you'll hear it. Nothing can stop her now. Why, you... Can't stop to get more information from him now. Time is short even for Superman. I'll just fix him so he'll be here when I get back. Use the old western trick of pulling his coat down over his arms. And like that. And tie his legs with his kerchief. There we are. That'll hold him. Now, I hope I'm not too late. Up! Up! And away! Got a fine night for our first trip with these oil trucks, Clem. Yep. Moon's so bright, I reckon I could knock over a coyote with my bow and arrow at 50 yards. Hmm, that moon sure makes this trip might more cheerful, Tumbleweed. Bar an accident, so I'll make good time. He reckon them wood plugs Mr. Kent said to put in them bullet holes will hold? This ain't no concrete highway, you know. I uh, don't worry none about that. Heard what he said about the weight of the oil holding them in. I guess you're right, Clem. Now, he sure is one smart hombre, that Mr. Kent. Yep. That's why I asked him to mosey on out here, because I figured if anybody could help me out of this mess with Abner Cheney, he could. Sure thing. 
Reckon if he hadn't been with us and them tanks was pumped full of daylight, he'd be piping this oil to the refinery through Abner Cheney's line. Instead of busting up his stranglehold on the local oil producers by using these here trucks. Now, first thing you know, they'll all be doing this. And Cheney's pipeline will rock. Uh, ain't Leif McCall already ordered a couple of tank trucks for hauling his oil? Yep. Me and Leif's only two in these parts, which wouldn't be hogtied by Cheney. Matter of fact, it was uh, Leif's gal, Mary, who first hit on the idea of using tank trucks. Yeah, well, there's balancing rock up yonder. Yeah. Here's where that long downhill starts. Uh, better shift her into low gear, I reckon, because this heavy load we're carrying is likely to push us downhill to fast cliff. Okay. Ah. Hope the other boys follow suit. Don't want any of these trucks to get away on us. Ah, uh, don't you worry, none. They'll know. Leaping, Mavericks. What's that? An explosion. Sounded like it come from the cliff. Tumbleweed. Look, balancing rock. Glory be a rolling down the hill straight at us. Stop the truck and jump for your life. Come on, Tumbleweed. Jump. Go look, Clem, up in the sky. Tumbleweed is a man. A flying through the air. Right. But balancing rock, it's coming down that hill a mile a minute and heading this way. If you see the man, he swooped down under it, standing right this way. He's just a standing there, waiting for it. I can't look. I can't look. What happened? He caught it, Clem. Caught a balancing rock in his bare hands, like it was a ball of cotton. And he's heaving it right over our heads. Look at it, will you? It ain't true, Tumbleweed. We've been seeing things. Going plumb local. That rock is big as a house. Yeah, pull in your reins, then. Get a hold on yourself. It's all over now. Tumbleweed. Look up. There he goes, flying off across the moon. Just like an eagle. Only it ain't no eagle. Yeah, I see him. Get a good look at him, Tumbleweed. Because everybody don't think I'm out of my mind when I tell about this. I seen him, Clem. And this ain't the first time either. You mean you've seen that flying man afore? Yeah. You remember them stories I told you about Comanche Joe's ranch and what happened there last time Mr. Kent and Jimmy was visiting out here? Yeah. You remember how I said I seen a strange hombre in a red cape flying through the air? You mean... Yes, sir, that's him. The same one come back to save lives of innocent men again. That's the fella Jimmy calls Superman. Well, let's make tracks, Clem. We gotta keep rolling. Saved from almost certain disaster, Tumbleweed's motorcade of tank trucks continues on its way to the Bear River Refinery. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Jimmy, grown tired of waiting for Kent to return with his sandwich, slips on a robe and leaves the bunkhouse to investigate the delay. Lights on in the cookhouse, all right. I wonder what's keeping Mr. Ken. Guess he got hungry himself. I'll just sneak in quietly and surprise him. Mr. Kent, what? He's not here. Who's that tied up on the floor? Why, it's Chuck Connors. Uh, sure, Jimmy, it's me. Get me loose from this street, Jimmy. Who trussed you up like this, Chuck? Where's Mr. Kent? What happened? Hold on, son. One thing at a time. Slip this coat up off my arms first like a good boy. I'm sure, Chuck. There. But where's Mr. Kent? How should I know? Oh, my arm. Can't hardly use it. Untime my leg. Okay. He said he was coming to the cookhouse. Well, can... he ain't been here. Will you untie my leg so that I can get the kinks out of my back? Wait a minute. How did you get tied up like this? What happened? Why, some masked hombre busted in here and laid me out. Now, will you untie me? Man. Gosh. 
Maybe he got Mr. Kent, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. reckon he did. Except Mr. Kent wouldn't give up without a fight, and I'd have heard some noise. Well, maybe he wouldn't, maybe he wouldn't. Anyhow, don't you think we better start looking around for him? Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, then untie me like a good fella and give me a hand getting up. I'm kind of cramped now. Okay. There. My legs are free. Now, now hold on to me. There. Now you're up. Sure feels good to stand up straight. Now, can we go look for Mr. Kent? Yeah? Oh, oh yeah. Here, come along with me out the corral. We'll saddle your pony and my pinto and ride out on the road. Maybe we'll find him. Gosh, you think Mr. Kent went out after the man who tied you up? Maybe. Well, he's the corral and the soldier, my pony. Oh, will you saddle him for me, Chuck? I'm not so good at it. Yep, I'm just as anxious to find Mr. Kent as you are. Now, uh, you wait here till I come back with the horses. Don't move, understand? All right, Chuck, I won't. Gosh, I don't know what's gotten into him so suddenly. He sounded real mean, then. I wish I could feel sure his story about the masked man is true. I got a funny feeling that... Gee, Mr. Kent wouldn't just disappear. He would at least have yelled something. Uh-oh, here he comes. Wait, Chuck, that isn't my pony. Well, whatever it is. Oh, just that I can't ride that horse. Tumbleweed said he's too wild for me. He'll throw me. No, he won't. Not the way I'm going to fix you. What do you mean? Yeah, get up on him and I'll show you. Here, here. Step up on my hand. I, I tell you, he's too big. Gosh, I'm not good enough to ride him. Hey, Chuck, what are you doing? Just tying you on so you can't fall off, that's all. But suppose he starts bucking. Suppose he tries to run away. Well, you'll be tied on nice and snug like Ouch. That knot will never slip. Uh, now I'm going to slap this here horse hard on the rump and send him galloping off with you into the meat. But why, Chuck? What are you doing this for? Because it's one way of getting even with your partner, Kent. What he done to me tonight. What? Till I get a chance to dose him with lead. When he gets back to the ranch, he'll find oh, you gone. But don't you worry. Maybe the horse will bring you back in a few days. If and the coyotes don't but get you. You stunk, you dirty polecat. If I was your size. Hear that coyote yapping? Well, you'll be seeing them close up pretty soon. Here you go, Yerlin. Uh, help! Help! Mr. Kent, help! Bound to the saddle, Jimmy cries out in terror as the wild, unbroken horse gallops into the darkness. What will be the outcome of Chuck Connor's dangerous method of revenge? Don't forget to hear the next episode of this adventure in the West. Tune in and listen with Superman. Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. Ha-ha! <laughs> 
from the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming Video Game Box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as 11.99 per month, those are facts just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. When Clark Kent went to the cookhouse to get a sandwich for Jimmy Olsen... He found Chuck Connors, the foreman of Tumbleweed's oil field, talking on the telephone and plotting the destruction of Tumbleweed's tank trucks. Forcing the details of the plot from Connors, Kent trussed him up and, as Superman, sped to Tumbleweed's rescue, arriving just in time to stop the dislodged balancing rock from crushing the trucks. Back at the ranch, Jimmy, tired of waiting for Clark Kent, went to the cookhouse, where he found Chuck Connors and innocently liberated him. Suggesting that they go in search of Kent on horseback, Chuck lured Jimmy to the corral, where he mounted the boy on a wild, unbroken Mustang, tied him securely to the saddle, and sent the angry animal galloping furiously off across the mesa with his helpless, terrified rider. Listen. Whoa, boy. Whoa. Gosh, I don't know what to do. I'm scared. I can't control this wild horse. Oh, fucking like mad. Whoa. Whoa, stop. Racing again now. I can only stop him. I can't get my arms loose. Whoa! Whoa, boy, whoa! Oh, he nearly snapped my head off that time. He's roped. I can't budge him. Gosh! This crazy horse is heading to the edge of the cliff. He'll never see it in time to stop. We'll both be killed. Help! Mr. Kent! Tumbleweed! Somebody help! Meanwhile, unaware of Jimmy's plight, Superman streaks back to the ranch after having saved Tumbleweed's trucks from destruction. As he wings across the moon-drenched mesa, Superman's attention is attracted by a madly galloping horse, the animal obviously unguided in its reckless dash toward the edge of a steep cliff. What's that down below? It's a horse, heading right for the cliff, and his rider is slumped down on the saddle like he's unconscious. I've got to stop that animal if I can. Down! Down! Here he comes over the edge. Now to catch him. There! Got him. Now, back up to the cliff. Up! Up! Oh, there we are. Oh, boy. Easy now. Easy. That's it. Great Scott, it's Jimmy. And he's tied to the saddle. 
off with these ropes. There we are. Now to stretch him out of the ground. Oh, the poor kid, he's out cold. You better change back to Clark Kent oh. before he comes to oh. Coming around, oh. all right. I wonder who did this to him. Jimmy. Uh. Jimmy, it's me, Mr. Kent. Oh. oh, Mr. Kent. That wild horse, he was going over the cliff. Oh, I fainted. Yes, I know. You're all right now, Jim. Well, what happened? How did you get here? Well, I just happened to be out here. My, uh, my horse ran away from me when I dismounted to examine something. Well, how did you save me? How did you stop that horse from going over the cliff? Why, uh, the horse suddenly swerved when he got to the edge and stopped himself from fight, I guess. But uh, tell me, Jimmy, who roped you on that animal? It was Chuck Connors. What? I found him tied up in the cookhouse when I went to look for you. He told me something about a masked man hitting him on the head when he wasn't looking. Masked man? Nothing. I did it. You did? Why? Well, when I went to the cookhouse for your sandwich, I found Chuck talking to somebody on the phone and plotting to wreck Tumbleweed's truck. Why, a dirty coyote. Gosh, and I had to let him go. Yes, that's the unfortunate part. You see, I was counting on making Connors tell us who was behind this effort to smash the trucks and cause Tumbleweed all this trouble. Tumbleweed? Did his trucks get wrecked? Do you think something's happened? No, 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 easy, Jimmy. Don't worry about Tumbleweed. Everything's okay. The trucks will get through, all right. Gosh, how do you know? You take my word for it, Jimmy. They're all right. Oh, golly, I sure hope so. Well, let's get back to the ranch. With my, uh, my horse gone, we'll both have to ride this one. He's not broken. He'll buck us off. Oh, he won't, Jim. He's been so thoroughly scared, he's as gentle as a lamb. Come on, I'll show you. Now, you get up in the back of the saddle so you can hold on to me. Here, put your foot in my cupped hand. Now, up. There you go. Sit. Now, wait a minute. I'm out. There we are. Huh. Hold on. You all set? I think so. Okay, let's go. Get up. Come on, get up. As Kent and Jimmy ride back to the ranch, Abner Cheney, president of the Lost Valley Bank and owner of the only pipeline able to carry oil to the refinery, is having a heated discussion in his private office with his secret henchman, Dan Lawson, who poses as an oil broker. All right, if you didn't bungle that job, what did it? Well, we had everything set. The dynamite charge was planted under balancing rock as soon as Chuck Connors phoned from Tumbleweed's ranch that the trucks had left. When the boys saw the headlights start coming down the steep grade under the rock, the charger was set off and the 50-ton boulder toppled off its point and came rolling down the hill like a fast express. Then what happened? Now, this is the part that don't make sense. A man, wearing a cape, came swooping down out of the sky, stopped the rock practically over the lead truck's cab, and, get this, heaved it across the road. Are you crazy? You expect me to believe that? Remember, Cheney, I told you before it was hard to take. Larson, that's one lie of yours I can't swallow. It's the last one you'll ever tell me. I swear I saw it with my own eyes. All I know is you let a dumb cow hen prove he could do without my pipeline. Honest, Cheney, I'm telling you the gospel truth. But even so, why worry about Tumbleweed Jones? You've got everybody else's business. It isn't his business I want. Can't you see how his success will make all the other pipeline producers see how they can do without my pipeline? Wait a minute. I just thought of an idea. But like all the rest of your stupid schemes, I'm not in. No, listen to this. I happen to find out today that Comanche Joe never made over a deed or a bill of sale to that ranch he gave Tumbleweed. Well, what of it? Well, don't you see? That means he borrowed money from the bank without showing proof that he owns the property. And you can claim he took the money under false pretenses. Yes, I see. Well, you may have something there. Oh, no, no, it won't work. You can get Comanche Joe to give him a bill of sale. That's easy to fix. 
I'll call Comanche and ask him to come into town to discuss the deal. When he gets here, a couple of the boys will take him into the hills. And tomorrow morning, bright and early, I pay a visit to Jones Ranch. And give him 24 hours to sign a pipeline contract with me or go to jail for fraud. Sure. Get on that telephone, Larson. Okay. Well, almost 8 o'clock. Tumbleweed in the truck should be rolling in any minute now. Yeah. I'll bet they'll all appreciate a cup of coffee waiting for them. Ouch! That's hot. Careful, Jim. Hey, how'd you sleep last night? Oh, like a top, Mr. Kent. I must have been pretty tired. Yes, I guess you were. After that exciting ride on a wild bronco... Wait a minute. I think I hear the trucks. I can't hear anything. Yes, I hear them. Let's go down by the gate to meet them. Okay. Take it easy. They're going to turn in. Come on. Hi, Tumbleweed. They made it okay, Mr. Kent. Of course they did. Hello, Tumbleweed. Hi, fellas. All right, boys. Set them off. Okay. Ah, hello, there, Mr. Kent. Hiya. Jimmy. Well, sure is good to see you. Especially when I never expected to lay eyes on you again. Why, what do you mean, Tumbleweed? Did something happen? Well, it sure did. Jimmy, you remember that there uh, balancing rock I told you I was going to take you over to see? Well, it ain't balancing no more. What do you mean, Tumbleweed? Well, last night, as we was rolling under it, the rock took a notion to get off in its perch. And down it come like a stampeding herd of loco steers. What? What, it missed you, didn't it? Missed us nothing, Jim. It was a coming right smack for us. When he caught it in his bare hands and heaved it over the road. Who caught it? It was him, Jimmy. Superman. The same flying man who saved your life and mine last time you was out here. Superman? Out here? Now, look, Tumbleweed, you must have been seeing things. I swear, Mr. Kent, I... Well, we can see... talk about that later. What's more important is that last night I caught Chuck Connors on your phone, plotting with somebody to wreck your trucks. Chuck Connors? You must be mistaken. Why? Chuck's one of my best men. No, no, it can't be. Oh, it was all right. He wrote me to a wild Mustang and sent me out on the mesa alone. He did, eh? Well, where is he now, Jimmy? Let me get my paws on him. Well, he's gone, escaped. But we'll find him. Uh-oh. Who's that turning in off the road? Golly. A swell-looking car. Yeah. It's Abner Cheney, president of the Lost Valley Bank. Good morning, Tumbleweed. Uh, howdy, Mr. Cheney. What brings you out here so early? I drove out to tell you that you're in trouble, Tumbleweed. Serious trouble with the law. Trouble? With the law? What have I done? Well, I've just discovered that you borrowed money from my bank under false pretenses. Now, hold on, Mr. Cheney. I may be a dumb cowhand, but I'm a law-abiding citizen. I ain't never broke no law. What you shooting at? When you borrowed money from my bank, you put this wrench up as collateral. Now I find you don't own the rent. That ain't true, and you know it. Comanche Joe, give me it, lock, stock, and barrel. Well, that's your story. But the fact is that Comanche Joe never filed a deed of transfer to this rent, so the property remains his. Now, wait a minute. Why can't this all be straightened out by calling Comanche Joe? Why, sure. He'll tell you. He'll prove that you ain't got no right to infer that Tumbleweed deals a crooked deck. That will be mighty tough to prove, gentlemen. Because Comanche Joe has disappeared. Vanished in the thin air. As a matter of fact, there's some talk about your having something to do with that, too. Well, Tumbleweed is really in a jam now. 
Has Lawson's plan to capture Comanche Joe been successful? And if so, how will Tumbleweed be able to prove his innocence of fraud? What can Superman do now to help his friend? Tune in again next time for another thrilling episode in this exciting story of the West with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. When Tumbleweed Jones returned to the ranch with his tank trucks after successfully delivering 6,000 gallons of oil to the Bear River refinery, thanks to Superman, he was amazed to learn that Chuck Connors, his oil field foreman, was in reality a member of the forces that had twice attempted to wreck the trucks. As if that were not enough, Abner Cheney, the unscrupulous local banker who owns the only pipeline to the refinery, suddenly paid a visit to the ranch. In an effort to force Tumbleweed to use his pipeline at exorbitant rates, Cheney played his ace card. He accused Tumbleweed of fraud and possibly murder. As we join them now, the suave banker explains the situation to Tumbleweed and Clark Kent while young Jimmy Olsen stands by frowning angrily. Listen. I'm just stating facts, Tumbleweed. You borrowed a large sum of money from my bank for this wrench is collateral for the loan. Now, I discover you don't own the ranch. That ain't true. Comanche Joe, give it to me. Lock, stock, and borrow. Have you got a deed to the property? What in tarnation to deed? A bill of sale, Tumbleweed. Nobody sold, nobody nothing. Comanche, give me the ranch. Mm, that's your story. Now, look here, Mr. Cheney. I'm just an old cowhand trying to get along. I ain't got no book learning to speak of, but no hombre living can stand up and say Tumbleweed Jones ain't shooting straight. The facts speak for themselves. This ranch is still owned by Comanche Joe. Why argue about it, Tumbleweed? Comanche can set this matter straight, can't he? Well, reckon he can. We'll ride over and get one of them deeds from him pronto. I'm afraid you won't, Tumbleweed. Comanche has disappeared. What are you talking about? That's right. He's vanished in the thin air. As a matter of fact, there's been a little talk that maybe someone got rid of Comanche Joe. I think you're going a little too far, Mr. Cheney. You're trying to accuse Tumbleweed. I'm of not having... accusing anyone, Mr. Kent. I just said there's been a little talk. What kind of talk? Well, some folks have the opinion that Comanche Joe never gave you this ranch. That you just up and took it. That might account for him being missing. Why, you dirty low-down coyote. Take it easy, Tumbleweed. Get off this ranch, Cheney. Make tracks of it. No cause to lose your temper, Tumbleweed. We can settle this between us. All I'm really interested in is getting your oil business. I can close my eyes to the rest. You let go of me, Mr. Kent. 
I'll put an arrow clean through his crawling Easy, gizzard. Easy, Tumbleweed. I'll give you 24 hours to make up your mind. And I'll give you 10 seconds to make tracks, you sneaking, crawling rapper. Let me at him, Mr. Kent. Go ahead, Tumbleweed. Knock his block Keep off. quiet, Jimmy. You heard what I said. 24 hours before I call in the state's attorney and prefer charges of fraud. And possibly murder. Why, you... Better get into your car and leave, Cheney. I can't hold Tumbleweed much longer, and I won't be responsible for what happened. I'm going. And don't you never set foot on his ranch again, you black-hearted polecat, or I'll... I'll run you so full of arrows, you'll look like a porcupine. Remember, only 24 hours. Well, I'll get you yet, you crooked, no good reason. Yeah, you big fat baboon. Jimmy, stop that. Oh, you should have let Tumbleweed pile into him, you punk. Well, how come you protected that snake, Mr. Kent? I was protecting you against yourself, Tumbleweed. You can't settle things like this by fighting. Just you calm down and we'll talk it over. Well, that's easy enough to say, Mr. Kent. But things are simple to set still when a man shoves a branding iron on your hide and... Mark's your crook and a murderer. I know, I know it isn't, Tumbleweed. It's the only sensible thing to do. You can't think straight when you're hot under the collar. Well, let's figure this thing out logically. Sit down here on the running board of this truck. Okay. But I ain't much good at figuring things out, Mr. Kent. I ain't used to responsibilities like running a ranch and an oil field, and maybe I make lots of mistakes, but one thing certain is that I ain't never done nothing wrong in my life. Eddie's likes breaking laws instead. Gosh, you don't have to tell us that, Tumbleweed. Of course, that's taken for granted. Well, that's how come I get so tarnation hot when anybody says I broke the law. Maybe I ain't got one of them that are deep, but I know Comanche give me this here ranch with no strings attached. Now, look, Tumbleweed, you don't have to protest your innocence to me or Jimmy. What you've got to do is prove to Cheney that he's wrong. Sure, that's all. But how am I going to do that? I still think you should have let Tumbleweed whale the daylights out of that fat family. Why, Jimmy, that wouldn't have got us anywhere. Cheney would have just added a charge of assault to his veiled accusations of fraud and murder. That's what gets me more than anything else. Imagine me harming a hair of Comanche Joe's head. Why, well, he's my best friend. I'd, I'd cut off my bow arm for that hombre. Of course, it's ridiculous. But the circumstantial evidence built up by Cheney makes it look pretty bad. Well, I'll bet Comanche turns up just as suddenly as he disappears. I'm not so sure of that. Tumbleweed, has Comanche Joe ever just suddenly disappeared like that? No. He never goes no place without he lets somebody know where to locate him. Well, then why don't we call up his ranch and find out if they know where he went? That's not a bad idea, Jimmy. You can't lose anything by trying it. He's got a phone, hasn't he? Yep. Well, come on up to the cookhouse. We'll call him from there. I'd give anything to find that Cheney was lying, that Comanche's at his ranch. No, Jimmy, if I sized Cheney upright, he knew definitely that Comanche Joe wasn't there, or he wouldn't have played his hand as surely as he did. Here we are. I'll open the door. Okay. You'd better call, Mr. Kent. I'm I'm still so mad my nerves is jumping like a bucking bronze. All right, Tumbleweed. Uh, what's his ring? One long and short and alone. One long, short and long. No one seems to answer. I'll try it again. Oh, here's somebody. Hello. Uh, hello, is Comanche Joe there? Yes, this is Clark Kent. I'm calling for Tumbleweed Jones. Oh, I see. Well, can you tell me when he left? Yesterday, I see. He, he went to see whom? Oh, I see. And you haven't any idea when he'll be back. All right. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Who was that, Mr. Kent? That was Comanche's housekeeper. What'd she say? Did she know where he is? This is rather puzzling. 
She said that Comanche got a phone call last night to meet Larson at some spot near Lost Valley to discuss a business deal. What? That sounds funny. Yeah. Why would Dan Larson want to make palaver over business at night? Did she say when she expected him back? No. Golly. Maybe Larson is working in cahoots with Cheney. Now, Jimmy, don't you go getting no fool notions like that buzzing around your head. Nobody ain't got no right to say nothing like that about a man. Less than he's sure. Well, that's quite right, Tumbleweed, but what exactly do you know about this man, Larson? Well, Dan Larson is my oil broker. Has been ever since I struck oil on this here ranch. I see. Does he have any other accounts in this region? Oh, he sure does. He's the only broker in these parts. Has a ex. Exclusive license for to sell oil to the Bear River Refinery. And Cheney's pipeline leads to the same refinery, doesn't it? No, Mr. Kent, that's what are you aiming to prove? Well, nothing especially. Uh, tell me, hasn't Larson been doing everything he can to sell you on the idea of signing a contract to use Cheney's pipeline? Why, sure he has. That weren't nothing but an act of friendliness. Uh-huh. And wasn't he the only one you told about the trucks being ready to make delivery just half an hour before we arrived here to find them shot full of holes? Jeepers. Do you think maybe Larson tipped off those men to do that? Well, I don't know anything, Jimmy. I'm just thinking out loud trying to fit these pieces together. Mr. Kent, all I can say is that you're lassoing the wrong cayuse. Why, it's plumb ridiculous to think that Dan Larson is having anything to do with letting daylight through them tank trucks. Why is it so ridiculous? Because Larson was the hombre who fixed it with Cheney for me to borrow the money on this here ranch. Oh, he was, eh? Oh, Tumbleweed, can't you see how all these things tie in together? Can't you see how they all fit into the puzzle too well to be simple coincidence? Gosh, I can see it. No, I can't. I think you're doing wrong, by Larson. Well, maybe, Tumbleweed, but arguing about it isn't straightening out your troubles with Cheney. No. Where is it helping us to find Comanche Joe? Well, what have we got to lose by riding into town and having a talk with Larson about that mysterious call to Comanche? Like as not, we'll learn that he don't know nothing about it. Maybe we will. Then again, maybe we'll be able to pick up a clue about Comanche and Lost Valley. We'll have to try. Sure it is, Tumbleweed. Let's go. I'll get one of the boys to saddle my pony. Your pony's all saddled and waiting for you, Jimmy. So's a pair of horses for Mr. Kent and me. I told Clem we might be wanting to ride out so's I could show you where Balance and Rock used to be. Uh, you take the bay, Mr. Kent. She's smooth riding. Okay, thanks. Need any help, Jimmy? I should say not. All right. There we are. All set? Yep. Let's go. Yep. Yep. Come on. Gosh, isn't this a beautiful day for a ride? Smell that air. Sure is. I'd enjoy it much better, but for my worry. Now, don't you worry, Tumbleweed. We ought to be in town soon, and I've got a feeling we're going to find out something there. Rifle shots. Off to the right. Who could be shooting out here, I wonder? Don't know. Let's have a look. Yeah. Mr. Kent, over there. Two men on horses. They're riding away. Well, let's follow them. No, wait. Look over there on the ground. Is that a man? Sure is. Well, he's either dead or badly wounded. Maybe we can help him. Somehow that big body looks familiar. Jimmy, open your first aid kit while I turn him over. Okay, Mr. Kent. Great Scott, Tumbleweed. It... Comanche Joe. Comanche Joe. Dead. Shocked into speechlessness, Kent, Tumbleweed, and Jimmy stare in horror at the lifeless body of Comanche Joe. And coupled with deep sorrow over the untimely death of their Indian friend, 
is the growing realization that now it will be impossible to establish Tumbleweed's legal right to the ranch. It looks like Cheney has won hands down. What can Kent, even as Superman, do now to help Tumbleweed? Will they ever learn the identity of Comanche Joe's murderer? What will happen? Tune in next time for another episode in this exciting adventure in the West with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. When Clark Kent, Jimmy Olsen, and Tumbleweed Jones found their Indian friend, Comanche Joe, dead from bullet wounds, all else was forgotten. Tumbleweed particularly was hard hit, for it was Comanche who had given him the parcel of ranch land on which he had discovered oil. But now the generous, lovable Indian was dead. Darkness has fallen, and Kent, Jimmy, and Tumbleweed are eating a late supper at the ranch house. Not a word has been spoken. Suddenly, Kent looks up and breaks the silence. You haven't eaten a thing, Tumbleweed. Tumbleweed. Huh? Oh. oh. Sorry, I didn't catch what you said, Mr. Kent. Hadn't you better eat something? A small piece of this beef, it's delicious. I got no stomach for eating. But you go right ahead. You and Jimmy pile in and help yourselves. I really think you should get some food inside you, Tumbleweed. I know exactly how you feel, oh, but... but you can't know, Mr. Kent. It'll be a long time before I forget how... Oh, Comanche, look, laying there in that clump of sage. I never had nobody like Comanche, Mr. Kent. I came to him raw as a hide-off in a bull moose, and he took me, and he did. Taught me all I know about roping, branding, and herding cattle. He didn't come no better than Comanche Joe. No way. He was a swell guy, Tumbleweed. I fear to say that, Jim Boy. Oh, Comanche had a soft spot in his heart for you. Mentioned it many a time. And you too, Miss Kent. Yeah, I liked him a lot. Incidentally, I wired Perry White and told him what happened. He and Comanche were old friends. We didn't have nothing but friends, except them cold cats that shot him. And if I gotta track them till the day I die, I'll make them pay for it. Got a pretty fair idea of where to start looking. What do you mean? I ain't talking about it till I'm sure. You might just as well, Tumbleweed, because both Jimmy and I are staying on until Comanche Joe's killers are brought to justice. You bet we are. I kind of have hoped you would. Makes it a mite easier when you got friends pulling alongside you. Now, I don't know where we'll put up, but I reckon we'll find a place. Oh, I don't quite get that, Tumbleweed. You've got enough room at the ranch here for ten guests. Well, this ain't my ranch no more, Mr. Kent. Huh? 
Like with old Comanche Joe dead. He gave it to me, but neither of us figured there was any call to draw up papers. You heard what Abner Cheney said, that there ain't no deed to this rent. Nothing in black and white. Saying this was mine. Oh, I know, but Comanche made you a gift to the land. I can't prove it, Mr. Cheney. There wasn't no witnesses, except a herd of horses. Me and Comanche was setting on the corral fence blabbering when he up and said, Tumbleweed, I'm making you a gift to that there 30-acre piece of range over beyond the guts. That's all it is to it, Mr. Kent. No deed, no papers, no nothing. Well, what happens to the ranch now? Who gets it? The Comanche tribe. Oh, is the old chief still alive, Comanche's father? Yeah. Spry as a yellow. Well, I'm sure if you went to him and told him his son gave you this ranch, he'd understand. Wouldn't do no good, Mr. Kent. The chief might think kindly about it, but the tribe's got the final say. And they ain't forgotten how white men treated them when this part of the country come to be settled. They ain't getting rid of no land if they can help it. Yeah, you see, Jimmy, there's a lesson in that. If the white man had treated the Indian as he should have, the feeling between them might have been entirely different. Oh, but Tumbleweed, you can't give up without a fight. It was Comanche Joe's intention that you have the ranch. It don't matter much, Mr. Kent. What does matter is making the ornery hombres what done Comanche in pay for it. That's all I care about. You said a while back that you had a pretty good idea of who was responsible. I wonder whether we're thinking about the same man. The way I figure it, Abner Cheney's hands ain't so clean. I think you're right, Tumbleweed. Cheney tried to force you to use his pipeline to get your oil to the refinery. The chances are he was responsible for having your tank truck shot full of bullet holes. When that didn't stop you, he somehow discovered that no formal bill of sale or deed existed on the transfer of this ranch from Comanche Joe to you. I didn't get that far in my figuring. Well, seems simple enough. And you reckon Cheney did Comanche in? Well, not Cheney himself, but some of his henchmen. You see, in order to make good his accusation that you borrowed money from his bank when you didn't own this ranch... He had to get Comanche Joe out of the way because Comanche would have scotched that fast. You follow me? Yeah. So they up and shot old Comanche so he couldn't set things straight. I don't think they killed him in cold blood, Tumbleweed. They probably figured on keeping him undercover for a few days, but he put up a fight and... Well, you know the rest. If that's how it sets, Mr. Kent. Cold blood or no cold blood, I got a steel-tipped arrow for every hombre had a hand in it. I hear a car driving in. I'll take a look through the window. Who is it, Jimmy? Men. They're coming toward the house. Who are they? I can't tell yet. Sleeping lizard. What's the matter? It's Cheney and, and Chuck Connors. Down, I'll fix them, Ombre. Now, now, take it easy, Tumbleweed. Let's have a talk with them. Talking ain't going to get you no place. There's only one kind of palaver they understand. Cast them in. There's no harm done. All right. You say so, but I don't like it. Come in. Sorry to bother you, Tumbleweed. I thought I told you to stay off this ranch. Come in, Mr. Cheney. Close the door, Connors. I don't want any trouble with you, Tumbleweed. I'm just doing my duty as president of the Lost Valley Bank. And what duty is that ornery backbiting rattler doing? Chuck's been deputized to act in this matter. That's the truth, Tumbleweed. Here's my bag. Deputy Sheriff Badgers don't care what kind of cayuses wear them, do they? Even got the sheriff working for you, Cheney. We won't go into that. I expect you know why I'm here. Why are you here? My business is with Tumbleweed, Mr. Kent. Any business you got with me, Cheney, can be talked out and open. I got nothing to hide. As you wish. You owe the bank $15,000, Tumbleweed. 
I've come to collect it. I reckon you've come to the wrong place. Not at all. The loan was made in accordance with your sworn statement that you owned this ranch. I find that statement untrue. And unless you're prepared to repay the loan at once, I'll have to ask Chuck Connors to arrest you for obtaining money on a false pretense. Reckon he's man enough? I got you covered, Tumble. We don't try nothing. Put that gun up, Connors. I'd much prefer that you didn't interfere, Mr. Kent. This matter doesn't concern you. On the contrary, it does very much. You know as well as I do that Comanche Joe gave Tumbleweed this ranch, but neglected to file a formal transfer of deed. All I know, Mr. Kent, is what I see in the county clerk's office. There is no record of change of ownership of this 30-acre parcel. And now that Comanche Joe is dead... You're ready to take advantage of the situation. My time is valuable. Have you the money, Tumbleweed? No, and if I did have it, you wouldn't see one red cent of it. Arrest him, Chuck. Here. Better come along quiet, Tumbleweed. What's come over you, Chuck? Got the dry heaves? Your hand's shaking. I, I've got a right to arrest you, Tumbleweed. I, I've been deputized. It'll take more than a badge to convince me of that. I demand that you arrest him, Connors. You're going to hoist your hand, Tumbleweed. Don't do it. He's yellow. Jimmy. <laughs> Smacking the bullseye, Jim boy. Yellow as a pumpkin. You realize, of course, that it's a crime to resist an officer? Tumbleweed isn't resisting. He's going along. You've gone plumb loco, Mr. Kent. No, I think Mr. Cheney has a perfect legal right to demand your arrest. Exactly. Mr. Kent, you know Comanche give me the ranch. Free and clear. Yes, I do. But until such time as you can prove it, Mr. Cheney is entitled to protection. Well, how am I going to prove it with old Comanche stone dead? Shot down by Cheney and his rattlers. What are you talking about? I reckon you know, but it don't bother you none. Polecat's got no feeling. Just smell. I have no intention of listening to your insults. Are you coming along peaceably, or will we be forced to use other methods? You'd better go, Tumbleweed. You mean that, Mr. Kent? Yes, I'm afraid so. Well, all I got to say is the law's kind of twisted up if a hombre who ain't done nothing gets himself hauled off to jail. You won't be there long, Tumbleweed. That ain't the idea. It's going bothers me, but I reckon if you say I got to, I got to. All right, Chuck. Holster your gun afore it gets you into trouble. I'm going peaceable. So long, Tumbleweed. Don't take it so hard, Jim. Old Tumbleweed won't be gone long, and when I get back, I'll I'll mix you up a mess of fudge, the like of which you never tasted before. Okay, I'll be waiting. I'll see you in the morning, Tumbleweed. Hold on a minute. There's one thing I got to state before we pull stakes. I'm letting myself get arrested only because Mr. Kent here says it's the law. You savvy? If he didn't, no gun-toting, sway-back better'd get me to move. I think we've had enough big talk. That ain't big talk, Jamie. Just remember it. Well, so long, Jim. Keep your mouth watered up for that there fudge. So long, Tumbleweed. You first, Tumbleweed, and don't try nothing. Them your teeth I hear rattling, Chuck. So long, Jim. So long, Mr. Kent. Goodbye, Tumbleweed. See you in the morning. Jimmy, what's the matter? I don't know. Everything seems to be going wrong. First Comanche Joe gets shot, and then poor Tumbleweed's arrested. Isn't there anything we can do? Well, I was going to pack you off to bed, but since you're so troubled, maybe you'd better ride along with me. Right. Where to? To the Comanche Indian Reservation. And we'll wait until they drive off. Your pony and the pinto I was riding are still saddled, aren't they? I think so, but what are you going to do with the reservation? Talk things over with Comanche Joe's father, the chief. Gosh, do you think he'll let Tumbleweed have the ranch? Well, that's one question I can't answer. All right, come along. They've gone. Well, the horses are still saddled. Good. That'll save time. Check the saddle girths on your pony. They're tight. Okay, then let's go. There. Which way is the reservation? Due east. Just follow me. You all set? Yep. Okay. 
Go, boy. Get up, soldier. Yep. Get Heading for the Indian Reservation, Clark Kent's plan is to convince the aged chief that Tumbleweed Jones has every right to the ranch given him by Comanche Joe. But it's not going to be so easy. In fact, both Kent and Jimmy are in for some unexpected excitement. So don't fail to be with us for the next episode. Tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! <laughs>